Let me invite you to open up your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3, and we'll look there in just a moment. Again, say how uh, delighted we are to be here, what a pleasure it is to get to meet all of you, and um, we are um, acquainted very well with uh, Stephen and Sharon and with Kenzie and Andrew, and we've gotten um, to meet some of you before, Mark and Carrie, we've stayed in their home before, and now they've just turned it over to us, and we appreciate that. But we're looking forward to getting to know so many of the rest of you uh, as well this week. Um, in our worship hour uh, at this uh, time, I want to look at a topic that is um, just fraught with all sorts of um, landmines of emotions and tied up with personal preferences and I think a lot of a lot of good things get said about this subject and a lot of foolish things get said about this subject and it is the subject of modesty and what we wear what God wants us to wear I want to make some things clear from the start I am not saying and anything I say this morning I'm not accusing anyone about your motives for what you wear you make your decisions and I hope that you make your decisions based on good motives and on, on, on good understanding of what you understand about God's Word. And if I say things this morning that seem to convict you, then I hope you'll just take that from the standpoint of this is what I think God's Word says. I'm not trying to point you out and say, you know, I'm preaching this at you. I also uh, hope that you'll understand that this is not about my personal preferences. I'm not trying to get you to wear what I think you should wear. I run that in my household. If my girls come to me and say, can I wear this? I might say no. And they say, well, the Bible doesn't say I can't. I say, no, but your daddy does. And I get to say that because I'm their daddy. When they get out of my house, they make their own choices. So I'm not trying to get you to do what I do, what I say is best. But I, I want us to come to an understanding of some, I think, some minimal standards that God holds us to on this subject. also want to suggest this, uh, this sermon is going to be merely about first principles. There are so many elements of modesty that we could get into. So many conversations, especially about motivations and about what other people think about what we wear. I'm not even talking about this morning, that this morning. All I want to talk about is what God thinks about what we wear. That's the only conversation. Now, that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be a conversation about what other people think. I think that's a valid conversation. I'm just saying that's not this conversation. This morning, we're going to talk about what God thinks. I want to start there in Genesis chapter 3 because it's the first time clothes get mentioned. And I think that's a good place to start. If we're going to study what the Bible says about clothing, let's just start at the first place clothes come up. In Genesis chapter 3, you know that that is the place where the serpent convinced Eve to go and eat of the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. And, um, and so she did, and, uh, and her eyes are, were opened. In verse 6, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was delight to the eyes, and the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open. Now look at the first statement. And they knew that they were naked. It is interesting to me that among all the things that Adam and Eve could have recognized and that God could have told us that they recognized upon first gaining knowledge about, you know, principles of right and wrong and good and evil, that the first knowledge that it says they became aware of is we don't have any clothes on. 
It says, so they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin coverings. There was a, a sense of shame at the very outset. And that is a sense of shame that I think we as a society are increasingly losing. It is a sense of shame that I think ought to be somewhat natural. But like so many other things, we are becoming a society who is throwing away natural inclinations. We're throwing away the inclination of knowing whether you're a boy or a girl. That seems pretty natural, but we're throwing it out the window. We're throwing away the inclination that when you have a baby, that love is automatic. No, we, we say you, you ought not to think of that anything more than like a tumor growing inside of you. And so we throw that out the door. And I think modesty falls right into the same category of, yes, if people have good senses and they have not run themselves headlong into every sort of hedonism and debauchery in the culture, generally we might have a good sense of what it means to be covered up and what it means to be uncovered. But our society has pressed that so hard. And so one of the things I think we have to do is reestablish a sense of shame. And we've got to instruct that sense of shame. It is not something, it is not something that children have. If you've ever had children, you know that one of the things they do uh, is, is that they might strip themselves naked in the most embarrassing sort of circumstances, come running through while you have company, showing how proud they are that they've learned to take their diaper off. And, and it's hilarious. And there's no shame from them. And in some sense, there's no shame from us. Maybe a little bit of embarrassment, but not the same as if our 13-year-old came running through the house having stripped themselves naked. But then they grow up, and that shame comes. And it ought to. Our society is saying more and more it ought not to, but it ought to. And let me just go ahead and throw out that ridiculous argument that we ought not be ashamed of the bodies God gave us. I'm not ashamed of my body. I'm ashamed for other people to see it. And it sounds like God says I should be. That that's part of it. You see, God doesn't come into the garden and he doesn't see Adam and Eve uh, hiding. And when they say we are naked, we'll come to that in a, in a few moments. We'll read that. But he doesn't come to that situation and say, oh, no, 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 my children, you've got it all wrong. Nakedness is beautiful. He doesn't say that. In fact, in so many ways, he vindicates their shame and, uh, and really uh, sets in, in stone that they should be ashamed of their nakedness. I, I want to go through a, a few other texts. It's not just Adam and Eve that recognized their nakedness uh, and associated that with shame. If you look at what the prophets had to say, nakedness is, is brought up very often in the prophets, and it's brought up sometimes literally and sometimes figuratively, but always it's brought up to illustrate the fact of shame. And so, for instance, over in Isaiah chapter 47, in Isaiah chapter 47 and there in verse 3, it says, Your nakedness will be uncovered. Your shame also will be exposed. I will take vengeance and will not spare a man. And so as judgment is being pronounced, as in terrible things will, will come, shame will be upon you. What is that going to look like? It's going to look like somebody who's naked. And so that's, that's an illustration. Nahum does the same thing as he is giving his prophecy to the, the people of Assyria. This is uh, obviously after 
um, after Jonah's trip there to Assyria, Nahum comes in and uh, he says this in chapter 3 and verse 5, Behold, I am against you, declares the Lord, Lord of hosts. I will lift up your skirts over your face and show the nations your nakedness and to the kingdoms your disgrace. I want to suggest to you that if this prophecy were, were declared in America today, I'm going to lift up your skirts over your face, people would be going, okay, <laughs> what's the problem there? Doesn't sound too embarrassing. Even pagan nations, God was able to communicate to them by saying nakedness means shame. And they got it. Can I suggest to you that that means something not very good about our culture, that I think our culture wouldn't get it. That if our culture were, were told, I'm going to expose parts of your body that the prophets lift at, list out, they'd be going, well, I already got those exposed. In fact, nakedness was associated with enslavement. It's what people would do to humiliate the captives. Over in Isaiah chapter 20, in Isaiah chapter 20, and there in verse 4, he says, So the king of Assyria will lead away the captives of Egypt and exiles of Cush, young and old, naked and barefoot, with buttocks uncovered to the shame of Egypt. I can just imagine Isaiah coming up on a beach in America and saying these poor enslaved people, these poor oppressed people who have been made to show their buttocks to the world. No, no, no. That's voluntary. They love to have it so. I mean, I, I, I just think if we had the mind of a child coming upon people, and I, I think my children have said things of this na nature when they've come up and said, that poor person doesn't have enough clothes. Should we give them some, you know? They, they can't afford enough fabric to cover the entirety of their body. They can only afford this much. And that's not it at all. In fact, they pay a lot more money to expose their body. And it's pitiful. And it ought to be shameful. But we live in a place where people have not only lost their shame, but rather they have come to glory in it. To glory in what ought to be shameful. Over in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 19, Paul says, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is their shame. This is those who are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose glory is their shame, and who set their mind on earthly things. We don't, we don't just have people who are doing things that are awful and, and, and grossly immoral. What we have is people holding parades for it. right? And they're marching around. Celebrate it. They call it Pride Month. And so I think that we need to come to grips with the notion that we may get carried away with some of that. And one of the ways that we may get carried away with it is like this. The world has gone so, so far till we think if we stay just this side of them, we're all right. And that's not enough. We don't just follow them and then maybe just two steps behind them. No, God says, look, here is what is shameful. Now, they may go even farther in that shame, and that's one thing. They may go all the way to stripping all their clothes off. 
but I don't want you to just come to put some clothes back on. I, I've had those conversations with people about bathing suits, and we'll discuss the particulars of that in just a moment, but I had these conversations about bathing suits, and people say, oh, 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 I wear one piece. Oh, bravo. You cover up a few more inches than they do. And I understand, yes, what they're doing is worse. Yes, what they're doing is exposing more of their bodies. But that doesn't mean it's okay to expose some of your nakedness. And we'll talk about what that means a little bit more as we go along. So you may have to re-educate that sense of shame. People who come out of the world understand this. When, when, I, when I talk to Christians who grew up having no sense of what God's Word said, I was... I was talking to some Christians recently. We we're talking about the subject of, of drinking and how attitudes seem to be getting more lax about that, about social drinking and things of that nature. And there are preachers who are, who are caving on that more and more to try to, I don't know, try to appeal to young people. But this brother who came out of the world said, those guys have no idea what they're doing. I came from that world. I know what Solomon says about that is absolutely correct because I have lived it. And those guys are getting up and they are lowering the standard and lowering the bar. And there are preachers who are afraid of offending and they're afraid of telling people something they don't want to hear. And people are, are, are not willing to consider that they have been, they have been, in so many ways educated by the world as to what they think about dress and not by God's word. And here's one of the questions I just asked. When you put your clothes on this morning, how much thought did you think about what God thinks about that? And I think most people get up and get dressed every morning and put far more thought into what everybody else is going to think about what they're wearing than they do about what God thinks about it. What are they going to think about this at work? How does it look? Am I going to get any likes on my Instagram? Then they think about, is God pleased with what I'm wearing today? And that ought to be the first question that anybody's asking. Well, let's go back to Genesis chapter 3, and let's learn more from what Adam and Eve found out there. In Genesis chapter 3, we already read in verse 7 that they, they, they realized that they were naked upon eating of the, the, fruit of the, knowledge, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In verse 7, when their eyes were opened, they knew they were naked. They sewed fig leaves together and made for themselves loin coverings. Now, I don't know what those loin coverings looked like. I don't know what all they covered. I know they covered something, right? So they started with nothing covered, and now they've got something covered. Loin coverings would generally, you know, your loins would be generally like underwear covering, undergarments. Here's what I know, that even though they had something on, and we might say the most basics covered, that's, that's most likely what we're talking about. It says in verse 10 that God said, I heard, or rather Adam said, to God, I, I, he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. Well, now, Adam's got loin coverings on, so he's not, he's not literally naked. Well, he thinks he is. And I think what, what Adam means is there are parts of my body exposed that ought not to be. That's what nakedness is in the Bible. It's not literally you have no clothes on. It is you don't have enough clothes on. And until you have enough clothes on, you're still naked, right? 
And so if parts of your body are exposed, if there's things that people can see on your body that they ought not to see, then you're naked at, at any level. Well, we go on down, and as I said, God confirms that assessment. In verse 21, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin, or tunics, some of your translations will say, for Adam and his wife, and clothed them. Now they're clothed. Now they're covered up. See, before they were naked, now they're clothed. They were partially clothed before, but partially clothed still means naked because something's exposed. Now, no doubt, when God makes them clothes, whatever He makes for them is enough to cover up everything that God thinks ought to be covered up. Now, there's only so much we can learn from the, the specifics in this particular case. Moses uses a word here, tunic. We don't have measurements for the tunic. We do. We can read about what people say about that word, and we get a general sense that in general, it would be a garment that would come from the shoulders down to around the knees. Now, somebody says, well, might have been shorter. Might have been. Might have been longer. It would allow, the word would allow for that too. What it isn't, it's not a shirt, right? It, it comes down below that. And so we got a general sense of what he's talking about here. And somebody says, yeah, but we don't know what the tunic was back in Adam's day. We don't have to. We got to know what it's like in Moses' day because he's the one using the words for the people he's talking to. So that's, that's who we need to think about. And, and as far as how Moses uses that word, how the Israelites would use that word, it would generally refer to a garment that would come from about the shoulders to the knees. I think that we can add some weight to that assessment. All right, so if we go over to Exodus chapter 28, in Exodus chapter 28, and there in verse 42... I was in Leviticus. We'll come there in a moment. Pardon me. In Exodus chapter 28, Moses, as he's giving the instructions for the tabernacle, comes to the, the clothing that the priests are supposed to wear. And he says in verse 42, you shall make for them linen breeches to cover their bare flesh. It's the same word for nakedness that you see uh, translated nakedness, perhaps in your translation, certainly in other places in the New American Standard, to cover their nakedness. They shall reach from the loins even to the thighs. All right, so here's a, here's a starting point. Now, some people will say, look, that's for the priests. I realize it's for the priests, but I'm not talking about whether it's for the priests or not. I'm not talking about we got to dress like the priests. What I'm saying is why does God say they should wear that? It's to cover up this part of their body. Why to cover up that part of the body? Because that part of their body is nakedness. So you say, I'm not going to this passage to reestablish Old Testament law and reestablish Old Testament specific dress codes. I'm going to this passage to show that God said, cover that up because it's nakedness. Not just because you're a priest, because it's nakedness. And the priest's nakedness doesn't need to be exposed. He goes on and in other places he, he, he talks about when they're going up the steps. We'll come to that in just a moment. When they're going up the steps, he doesn't want that to show. And so that's one of the reasons that they would need uh, this particular garment on. 
Now, as we go to other places, for instance, the passage that we read in Isaiah chapter 47 just a moment ago, uh, Isaiah 47 and verse 3, when he says he's going to expose their nakedness, one of the things is I'm going to pull your skirt back. I'm going to expose the thigh. And he goes on to say, I'm going to expose your nakedness. Now, to me, what that means is this is one of the parts of the body I won't cover it up is the thighs. Now, somebody might say, how much of the thigh do I want to cover up? Well, God says, cover this up with, with the priest because that's nakedness. Now, if I, if I want to cover my nakedness, I'm going to go, and this is me, I'm going to say, I'm going to cover all that up. I'm going to cover all that up. If I were to tell you that if the sun were to touch your thigh, there is a 100% chance you will get cancer. How many people will go, well, how much of the thigh can I show? I think everybody would be coming in here with pants down to their ankles, skirts that cover everything up. But then when God says, this part of your body, I want to cover it up because it's nakedness. And then people go, well, how much, how close can we get? I'm not going to set a dress code for you. But I'm looking at principles. I want to make sure that I'm covered up in the way that God says I need to be covered up. Don't you? I mean, don't, don't you want to be that way? Don't you want to be able to say for certain, I have no shame before God. And He can be pleased. I can be confident He's pleased with what I'm wearing. There's some other places that mention body parts. And we'll just look over at Ezekiel chapter 16 and verse 7. This may be a little bit more obvious. I hope it's not necessary, but I guess, I guess really it is. Because I, I do see people exposing parts of their body. In Ezekiel 16 and in verse 7, we see another association with nakedness. He says there, let's begin in verse 6, when I pass by you, and, and this is all figurative language, I understand that, but, but it's figurative language that communicates based on a truth, a reality. It says, I passed by you and saw you squirming in your blood, talking about Israel, Jerusalem. I said to you while you were in your blood, live, yes, and I said, while you were in your blood, live. I made you numerous like plants of the field. You grew up, became tall, and reached the age for fine ornaments. Now notice this. Your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, yet you were naked and bare. Now, this is a little bit embarrassing here. Frank conversation. What he's talking about is a, is a female. And when he says, your breasts were formed and your hair had grown, as he's talking about, you've, you've reached the age of puberty. You've reached the age of development. But you're uncovered. What's uncovered? Well, the things he just mentioned. Your private parts. And particularly for a woman in this case, he points to this area and he points to other private areas and says, you're exposed. And, and what he's saying is, I, I'm going to come and I'm going to spread my skirt over you. I'm going to cover you. I'm going to take away your shame. Again, all figurative, but figurative based on a reality. If you're exposing your breasts, then you're naked. Now, somebody says, look, I've had people, they get real red face and preacher's not supposed to say breasts. And, you know, first of all, it's right there. It's in the text. But more importantly, the preacher saying body part names is not near as embarrassing as seeing them. And we have people who proclaim to follow God who are showing themselves off 
in a way that makes God ashamed. And in a way that God says ought to make us ashamed. And so we've got to cover that part of our body. Do you want to be clothed? And I think everybody here would say, yeah, I want to be clothed. But by whose standard? Right? Are you, are you just meeting your own sense of shame? Or are you making sure that your sense of shame matches up with God's sense of shame? And that's what I want to, I want to make sure I'm on the same page with Him. I think that another element of this, so, all right, so what do we got? We got a general sense of from the shoulders to the knees. We've got an additional qualification that the thighs ought to be covered. We've got an additional qualification that the breasts ought to be covered. So that kind of covers us from the shoulders to the knees, right? I do this sometimes. Some, some people say, what exactly do you mean? Well, let's grab hold of your knees, all right? If you're not touching clothes, there's a problem, right? All right, that's, 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 that's generally would be safe territory. Cover from here down to here. But add to that what he says over in Exodus chapter 20. As we back up from that instruction that was given there in 28 for the clothing of the priest, he says back in chapter 20 and verse 26, you shall not go up by steps to my altar so that your nakedness will not be exposed on it. So here's another element. Not only does he say, look, these are the parts of your body that ought to be covered and, and not exposed so as to cause shame. But in addition to that, I want you to make sure that in your daily activity, you don't go exposing that. Maybe you start out at the beginning of the day with everything just so in place as you're standing in front of the mirror. But lo and behold, you're going to sit down before the day's over. I know sometimes that comes as a shock to us all that we have to sit down. But sometimes that happens. We have to sit down. And then you cross your legs. And the fabric that was covering everything no longer covers everything. Because you're in a different position than you were when you were standing in front of the mirror. And what this says is it's not good enough just to be covering it at the beginning of the day. You want to make sure throughout the day it's going to stay covered. And so you want to wear clothes that are going to that are going to provide for that. And if you're wearing clothes and, and an activity becomes available, maybe, you know, I mean, this is the way I grew up with wearing my, my good clothes and the, the boys are playing outside. Mom says, you're not wearing the clothes. Now, I wasn't talking about modesty. That's talking about your good clothes. You don't go outside and play in those clothes. So I didn't get to go outside and play because I wasn't wearing the right clothes. Sometimes we might show up and there's something going on. But if we engage in that, Something's going to come out of place, and here we are going to be exposing our nakedness. So my girls come down and they say, Dad, is this okay to wear? And they already know what the next question is going to be. Well, sit down for me. Now cross your legs. And then, and then I tell them, now see, they'll sit down like this. They'll go, all right. I say, all right, now, now, now stand back up and sit down like you're really going to sit down throughout the day. Like plop down in that chair like you're going to plop down when you get somewhere when you're not in front of me thinking very carefully about it. Okay, now they sit down like that. And stand up. I want you to reach up like this. And so we, we go through all that, and if everything's covered, great. Sometimes it's not. And if it's not, I just say, do you want, I, I, I ask them, do you want that to be exposed? 
No. Because we've already had conversations about this. See, this isn't the first conversation. They know. And I just want them to have that sense of shame. I don't want them to have my sense of shame. I want to have God's sense of shame. Do you want to expose yourself? And I know that they don't. And so, but sometimes we need some help. And let me just say this. Husbands and fathers, you've got to be there for your wives and your daughters. They don't see it the same way you do. They care probably more about what they're wearing, about how it looks, than you do. And one of the things that when I see young ladies dressed in ways that expose their nakedness, I'm more upset with the fathers than I am with them. Why did you let them leave the house? It's your job. It's your responsibility. We'll talk more about that as we talk about husbands and wives tomorrow evening. But we ought to we ought to be there, be in that leading role, but particularly also provide the perspective that maybe the mind of a woman does not as easily see as the mind of a man. Well, I want to just go through some objections in the few minutes that we have left. Somebody might say, well, look, nobody's going to lust after me. And even if they did, it's their problem. Well, first of all, the whole it's their problem statement, that's a bad heart. Paul says you ought to be concerned about your brother. And he's talking about eating meats and various other things. You ought to be concerned about his conscience and about his heart. So there ought to be concerned about what you're doing and how that affects your brother. That's true. But I'm not even talking about that this morning. What I am saying is that no matter who lusts after you, no matter if no one lusts after you, if you're exposed, it's the nakedness that's the problem first and foremost. And so that somebody says, I mean, I actually heard a guy, a preacher, make the argument as he would go around running in his shorts and tennis shoes and nothing else. He goes, I'm an old man. Nobody's looking at this. And he was right. Everybody was looking away because they're embarrassed for him. And I don't think he was causing anybody to lust. It's not the issue. That's the secondary issue. That's the second question we ask. The first question we ask is, am I covered up? Do I have enough clothes on? And and so I think sometimes we jump to that, and there are a lot of young ladies who, with low self-esteem, are thinking, nobody's looking at me like that. First of all, more people may be than you think. Because not many young ladies or a lot of young ladies don't think very highly of their own beauty. They really don't. Again, mothers and fathers, even brothers need to step in and help with that. But it's not even about whether people are looking at you, first of all. It's first of all, are you covered up? Secondly, some people say, look, I can't find anything fashionable to wear that's modest. Well, I think we've got a lot of fashionable dress young ladies here and older ladies here today who are dressed modestly. So I don't think that's true, first of all. What if it were? What if it were really true that you could not be at all fashionable and be modest? Well, 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 4 says we're just going to have to be peculiar. We're going to have to be weird people who go around dressed not like everybody else, not acting like everybody else, and be okay with that. Can I suggest to you 
that people really don't care about fashionability when they truly feel naked. Like when they really got shame. If you were stark naked, didn't have a thing on, and somebody walked into the, into the door, and the only thing in reach were drapes on the wall, you would snatch them off and throw them around. You wouldn't go, oh, this color just doesn't suit me, and throw it to the floor. You'd just cling to it, wouldn't you? You'd put on cardboard. You'd do whatever it took to get yourself covered up. What I'm saying is, you need to get that way about all the body parts God says needs to be covered up. So that you don't care about fashion first and foremost. You care, i got to get this covered up. Whatever it looks like. And I appreciate young ladies and older ladies who go to the lengths that they do to modify clothing and to go out of their way shopping. And I know, i got two little girls. i got teenage girls. And the world wants them to dress like prostitutes, it seems to me. Because that's what we find everywhere. And it's hard work. And I appreciate the work that my wife does. And I appreciate the work that you do when you go to great lengths to find clothes to keep yourself covered up. But that's what we've got to do. And we've got to get that sense that says, no matter what, I've got to make sure I'm not exposing myself. Some people say, well, you're not supposed to judge a book by its cover. <clears throat> and what they're saying is, there are deeper issues at stake than just what we wear. There's heart issues at stake. Agreed. Agreed. Really, again, that's a secondary question. Right? You're talking about uh, really more of what Paul is instructing Timothy when he talks about modesty. He's not talking about being covered up so much. That's like a foregone conclusion. He's moved on to the next stage, which is, are, are you having a good heart about what you're wearing? Are you really showing what you want to show by the way you dressed? Are you being ostentatious and things of that nature? But can I say this? I'm not judging a book by its cover. I'm just wanting the book to have a cover. I just, just want something to be on there. Well, I'm not talking about attitudes. I'm not saying that young lady is a prostitute or that young lady is trying to attract uh, un, the wrong kind of attention. I'm just saying she doesn't have enough clothes on. That's it. That's the only thing we're talking about right here. Sometimes when people go and say, well, this is, this is a really a heart issue, I ask them, if you go into a, a room and you see a man holding a gun to somebody's head and they're about to murder that person, would you go to Matthew chapter 5 and say, really the issue here is, is you hate your brother? And that's what we really need to talk about. We need to talk about that after he puts the gun down. Right? That's the first issue. Let's just put the gun down. And so I walk into a room, and I see people with not enough clothes on, and somebody says, this is a hard issue. Yeah, let's talk about that. First, let's get covered up. Let's just start there. And then we can have the other conversations. And I'm afraid we're having all the other conversations and not the one about getting covered up first. And then finally, people say, well, if Adam and Eve understood this by instinct, if they understood it by conscience then shouldn't we just allow people to follow their conscience? Just leave it at that. Let, let people follow their hearts. All through biblical history and secular history, there are examples of whole society that have lost touch with basic humanity. We've already mentioned that. And we've certainly lost that. It is the first time, and it's not likely to be the last time if the earth keeps on spinning. 
And all that means is that the pressure is ever increasing for us to bend and compromise and change our minds about just about everything God says. I think people are following their hearts. And I think that their hearts have been educated by the world. I think people don't realize how much they've been influenced. I think every commercial we watch, it's not just, it's not just the, the worst things. You don't have to turn on HBO. You just turn anything on. And even people who are generally fairly moral people have no sense of what God has to say about modesty. No sense about what God has to say about nakedness. And so we've got to be pretty radical to, to tear our eyes away and our hearts away from what the world is saying. It's sort of like I have a re-education. That's what some people say sometimes. You're, you're brainwashing your kids. That's right. I'm washing them as much as I can of what the world has to say. And this is the cleansing agent. And so we go back to this over and over and over again. Somebody might think that that cost is very high. To me, it's one of the cheaper elements. It's, it's one of the, the easier ways for us to sacrifice. There's a lot of sacrifices we have to make to be pleasing to God. This one just doesn't seem that great, but maybe you think it is. Maybe you think this is about, this is asking you, you know, one, one young lady said, I have to throw up half the clothes in my closet. We kept talking about it. And that's exactly what she did. My grandmother, when she got married to my grandfather, had grown up in a, in a little bit looser home. And, and so my grandfather began to preach. And, uh, and they'd only dated three months. And, uh, and, and apparently not during the summertime. And so when the summertime first rolled around, she got out her summertime clothes. And my granddad said, wait a minute, we've got to have a conversation. And she said, well, I've never even seen these things. He says, well, I understand that. You have now. And she said, well, what do we do? He said, I reckon we have a bonfire. And that's what they did. They went out in the backyard and burned half her wardrobe. So we can go get more clothes. I don't know how great your sacrifice is. I know it's not near as much as what Jesus sacrificed for us. And so it's worth it. You know, I'll throw out whatever I need to throw out. What I don't want to hear is this. And I've heard it. No matter what you say, I'm not going to change what I'm wearing. Don't ever say that about anything. Because what you're saying is, there are some things I will not do for God. And that just means you don't have the right heart, not just on this. That's just an introduction to a bad heart across the board. So at least be open to it. And at least be thoughtful about it. And I hope the next time that you open up your closet, that you'll think in terms of, what does God think about this? As I say, that's, a, that's an open door to your heart. My granddad said he used to get questions all along the way when he was studying with people. They would say, well, am I going to preach or am I going to have to give up this if I become a Christian? And when he first started, he tried to answer every one of those questions, and it would take you down some pretty crazy rabbit trails. And he got to the point where instead... He started asking them this. If you find that God says you do have to give it up, will you? 
I'm not even going to answer your question right now. But would you? And if they say no, well then there's no point in discussing the answer, is there? But if you're somebody that say, I'll give up whatever. I'll do whatever I can to be in a relationship with God. That's what he's looking for. You put it all on the altar. Self-sacrifice. I'm yours. And if you're ready to offer that kind of sacrifice, you're ready to make that kind of obedient commitment to God, well, we'd rejoice if we could help you do that this morning. If there's any way we can help you, why don't you come forward while we stand, while we sing.